This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 in verse number 1. Now faith is. Now faith is. What is it? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. St. Augustine is on record for this particular quote that partners well with chapter 11 and verse 1 of Hebrews. And this quote goes as such. Faith is to believe what you do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. Let's read it again. Faith is to believe what you don't see. And there's a, there's a benefit. There's a reward. There's a payoff of this kind of faith. And that is to see what you have been believing for. This morning, I want to preach a few minutes on embracing. Everybody, let's let's, let's do a little exercise. Take your arms like this, like you're going to give somebody a hug. Now let's embrace. You ready for what we're going to embrace? Uncertainties. Embracing uncertainties. A few weeks ago, uh, Denora, me and the girls, we uh, hopped up and went somewhere that my wife absolutely loves and she can't get enough of it. It's the land on the west side of life called California. Um, I didn't leave anything in California and I love to visit California and I can't wait to get out of California to come back to the promised land. Can I have an amen? They're a little bit too left for me. But I will tell you some good looking things come out of California. So uh, I can't criticize California all too together. But uh, while in California, we were there. It's been several years since we've been back to see Denora's family. And we were there and we had a ball. While there, we went to Disneyland, and uh, while we have Disney World out on the East Coast in Orlando, Anaheim is the home of Disneyland, and all types of rides, all types of fun, and I still absolutely love roller coasters. I know some people aren't into them. I love them. The bigger, the badder, the faster, the scarier. I can't get enough of them. I love me some roller coasters. Well, Disneyland's not that big of a deal when it comes to roller coasters, so you do the best you can while there. Has anybody ever heard of Space Mountain? Raise your hand like you're proud to be a Space Mountain fan. All right. Here's the big uh, fun part about Space Mountain. It's fast. It's, it's pretty curvy. It, it takes you for a spin. But the best part of Space Mountain is that this ride is in the dark. So you, you, you hop in your little cart and 
You know, the person next to you squeezes the little lock down way too tight. It rests on your femur bone directly. And you lose your breath for a moment. Uh, the engineer puts it in gear and off the chugga, chugga, chugga you go. But the coolest part of Space Mountain is you literally fall into this dark hole. And for the remainder of your time, which is about 30 seconds, you wait three hours to ride 30 seconds. But for the remainder of your time, you are riding a roller coaster that's fast, that's, that has some pretty good turns and drops and climbs. But the best part is you have no idea where you are. You have no idea where you're going. You have absolutely no clue when it's going to be over. So therefore, it's like this ride of uncertainty. You're uncertain about all of it. You just hope you live through it and that you can tell it uh, tomorrow when you wake up. Well, I want to compare Space Mountain, this dark, uh, scary at times, fast-paced at times. I want to compare this ride to our lives. Because life is uncertain. You think you know what you're going to do tomorrow, but you can't control it. Your, Your life might wake up Monday morning and it might go in a direction that you never thought it would go. Just this past Friday, uh... Uh, Ron, Sherry, myself, along with a handful of you from this church, we went to Wichita Falls to celebrate the homegoing, the funeral service for, for a wonderful preacher of the gospel, which his son, Jeff Pounds, is a part of this church. We were there. But can I tell you something? While Jeff Pounds knew that his father's passing was imminent, he didn't have any idea when. Life is but a vapor, the Bible says. It's uncertain. But even beyond the element of just life and death, let's just talk about life in general. Let's not say we're going to pass from this life tomorrow, but what about the flat tire or what about the raise? What about the setback in traffic or what about, oh my goodness, I got to work 30 minutes early. There was no traffic. You don't know what's at hand tomorrow during your days. So that's why I want to talk about uncertainty. And this is what I want you to do today. This is what I want to try to get across. You can view life's uncertain path. You can view it in a negative sense with a, with a negative set of lens. You can look at it and be negative about the uncertainty of life. Man, I, I can't stand this life. I never know where I'm going. I never know what I'm going to get into. Life is so, it's so crazy. I just wish I could plan it. I wish I could schedule it. I wish I could prepare for it because life is uncertain. Or you could put a separate, uh, a different set of lens on. And you can view it like Space Mountain, so to speak. I know it's a stretch. But you can view it as, man, I love life. Because it's so unpredictable. I'm not sure where we're going. I'm not sure how we're going to get there. But I love living life to the fullest. I know it's a little uncertain at times. But it's awesome. So it's all about how you want to see this idea of uncertainty. Are you following me so far? You remember when Jesus called uh, his disciples? This is what he said to him. He said, if you're going to follow me, you need to know this. Matthew 8 
and 20. He says foxes have dens. Foxes have this certain place they call home. It's a den. And birds of the sky, they have a nest. The birds of the sky, they have a certain place they call home. It's a nest. But he says the Son of Man, though, has no place to lay his head. Christ was basically saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to walk this path that I walk, it's uncertain. There are no guarantees because we are going to just have to follow the perfect plan of God. We're not in control of our lives. Something greater than we are in control of our lives, and that's the will of God. Can I have an amen this morning? Matthew chapter 4 is the home chapter of where the disciples were called away from their certain profession and called into their uncertain callings of following Christ. Now, I'm going to do my best to paint this picture as good as I can, and I need you to just kind of hang in there with me. I think we blow through the calling of the disciples so quickly that we fail to remember the details of the story. These men were fishermen. Now, I fancy myself as a fisherman. I love to fish. But I only fish, if you really are honest about it, I only fish maybe three, four, five, six times a year if I'm lucky. But I love to fish. That's not what these guys are. They're fishermen. They're as much fishermen as I am a pastor. They're as much fishermen as I am a husband. They're as much fishermen as I am uh, my parents' son. That's what they do. They're fishermen. To the point that they were probably more comfortable on a boat than being on land. Every day of their lives were spent tossing nets on the other side of the boat. Catching fish. And you got to understand why. It wasn't a hobby for them. It was traced back generationally. They were a part of the family business. And when Jesus came onto the shore, they're there mending nets, getting ready for another day's job, another day's generational purpose in life. They were there to fulfill what their great-great-granddad had set in place. They're fishermen. And Jesus walks up and says, if you're going to follow me, I need you to leave your nets behind and you need to go all in with me because I'm going to take you somewhere that these fishing boats can't take you. Where are we going? I can't tell you all of that yet. Just if you're going to follow me, you're going to go with me. But, but who are we going to go see? Can't tell you that yet. But if you come with me, we're going to go somewhere special. Well, when are we going? Can't tell you that yet, but you need to leave your nets and come with me. And I don't think that we give enough time to consider what they really were doing. They were leaving the most certain, this may be a stretch of words, but I need to use it anyway. The most certain guarantee in life that they would ever know. I mean, it was an automatic profession. Their bills were paid through fishing. Their futures were secure through fishing. Their identity was wrapped up as fishermen. Think about the pressure of that calling of Christ 
It wasn't to just do something different for a day. They literally were going to have an identity makeover. Instantly. Everything would be different. No one puts pressure on us any more than family puts pressure on us. Can I get a holiday season? Amen. I'm going to kind of come back again because some of y'all have been snoozing on me. The chili's rumbling and the breakfast is settling. You've got places to go. i got to hit you with that one more time. Nobody puts pressure on us like family puts pressure on us. Now let me make my case. Come on, somebody. We just had Thanksgiving. Denora and I load up. We head off to California. And we were there with... uh, Denora's very good friend in life, Cindy, and we were sitting there eating lunch on the first day of our arrival there, and they said, well, why are you guys here? How did it work out for y'all to come in Thanksgiving? Well, luckily for us, my sister created this really cool pattern that has worked for a long time During the holidays, when she got married, they kind of just set this little pattern up that they would be with either her family on Thanksgiving or her family on Christmas. And whichever one was not her family, they would be with her husband's family, and then they would rotate. I know it's confusing. Trust me, I'm still trying to keep it together. But it works because there's a plan in place. So when I got married... We just kind of kept the same plan. So this year, 2014, Thanksgiving was with Denora's family. Christmas will be with my family. And then next year, you with me so far? You hanging with me? I know it's silly, but trust me, I'm making a point. Well, they say, wow, that's really cool that you guys are having just kind of a cut and dry understanding. Holidays are awful for us. I said, why are they so bad? Well, we get pulled over here, and if we leave too early over there, they talk bad about us because we got to go across town over here. And if we stay too late over there, well, them over there, they're upset that we didn't quite make it on time over there. We have turkey over at this family at 11. We have ham over at this family at 1. And then we have tacos and burritos at 5 o'clock over at this family. And the 5 o'clock thing, that's not over till 2 a.m. Because that's just how we roll. And then we have to do this, and then we have to do that. And I'm like, thank God for a simple pattern. It's Thanksgiving with my family, and Thanksgiving with their, and, and it's easy. Did I just touch a sensitive subject? Are some of y'all feeling pressure about now? And then when you start throwing blended families in... We got to be at my stepfather, and then we got to be over here at my fourth father's house at 2.30, from 2.30 to 2.38, and then we run over there. No, he's not my real uncle. He's just been a close family friend. We call him Uncle George. So we hit that one, and then we do the pressure, pressure. Don't be offended by this. I'm just calling something out that you don't want to address. Somebody got to say it. Pressure. Think of the pressure that these fishermen are under now. They're fixing to leave their dad's business. He's been working for years, patching up that boat, ready to 
ready to bring that son in full time to man the fleet of fishing boats. And all of a sudden, he's going to hop up and run off with this guy named Jesus. You talk about a Twitter war in the making. Bearded guy with a robe just stole my kid. I'm left bankrupt with five boats. I mean, they're just going back and forth, Instagramming Jesus. <laughs> Think about it. And the dad posts that with, who does he think he is? I've got years invested in this business, and all he says is, come, follow me. And the kid goes, what have I raised? I knew I should have spanked him harder. I mean, think about it. Pressure. We forget all this stuff. They were leaving something certain, guaranteed, paved, red carpet, royal treatment, first class, rolling it out. Just show up and you've got a fleet of boats. And they bail to go into an uncertain future. But something whispered into them that the uncertain future with Christ would bring more blessings than a fishing boat business could ever bring them. They had to sacrifice certainty for uncertainty. So I've just come by this morning to ask you a few quick questions. What do you think would happen in your life if you would sacrifice, and that's a strong word to use, but what would happen if you sacrificed a few certainties that have you hooked because they're somewhat of a guarantee, they're comfortable, you're so familiar with it that you can do it in your sleep. What is it that God would ask you to sacrifice to go further with him into something uncertain. But if you could be like a disciple today and just catch the vision that what he's got in store for you is so greater than the certain little thing in your life. What, what, what is it? Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know the exact date on the calendar, but it's been within the last three or four months sitting in my office with a beautiful young single mom doing her very best to try to raise her child, making ends meet, trying to keep the schedule going. And she had taken a liking to someone. This gentleman had a good job, made good money, was totally cool with her having a child, was supportive, encouraging. He seemed to like fit the bill. But yet she opens up and bears her soul to me and says, Pastor Tommy, but I don't feel right about it because we're not on the same page spiritually in our faith. And on paper, you know the saying, on paper this looks like it's perfect. But something tells me in my heart that even if it looks right, something's not right spiritually and I've got to keep God first. Right, Pastor Tommy? And I was so quick to respond with, I know you see the money's I know you see the uh, respect. I know you see the support. I know you need that father figure to step in. But you are so much wiser than so many people because you know that even though life is uncertain without this figure in your life, 
that it means more to be spiritually healthy than not. Maybe it's like that with you, a relationship. Maybe it's not a relationship. Maybe it's occupational. Maybe it's something with your job. You've got a good job. They've never missed a paycheck to you, but you're not happy. Now, here's the thin line. Is it wise to bail out on a good job just to be happy? I don't know. Have you prayed about this? Because even the right perfect jobs is not going to be perfect every day. But if you find yourself in a career path and you know God is calling you and beckoning you to something greater, you never know. The most dangerous move you could ever make could be the most profitable move you've ever made. With prayer, with wise counsel of others, with time, with consideration, and you still hear the voice of God calling? What about financially? I know you haven't plunged into giving because when you get that direct deposit check or you get your paper check and you go and you cash it or deposit it, you have a certainty of what you can budget and live off of. And when you start considering tithing or sacrificial giving, that budget becomes less. And you might see it as, oh, that would be so uncertain. I wouldn't know how we would adjust. Believe it or not, the uncertainty of putting God first financially gives God more room to work than he's ever had the ability to work. Uncertain destinations will always be in the life of the believer. Always. So I just come by to ask uh, quickly this morning, what do you think you need to sacrifice in order to get the greater that God has in store for you? We all have, um, as kids, and, and some of you are in the same position I'm in uh, with, with little ones, and I'm in this, this age right now with my little girls that they're still so young that they're still just, they're, they're innocent and they're so pure at their heart. And kids love to chase things. Have you ever realized that? Kids love chasing things. Kids love chasing. Well, you know, you've, you've probably seen the little commercials or you may have even been in your own backyard. Kids love to chase little bugs. They love to chase little bugs around uh, like butterflies or, or things like this. I remember taking uh, uh, my two girls and we went down to the little public school down the street from our house and they were not pretty butterflies. They were just like moths. And you know the kind of moths that if you touch them, it, like all of a sudden you've dipped your hand in graphite or something it gets all that junk all over you well man they just couldn't they just love chasing them but you know we, we get older we still chase things we just move to something different we start chasing the opposite sex you didn't see that one coming did you <laughs> you gotta throw curves in sermons if you don't people get sleepy you see why we have you laughing right now you're just waking your hide up cause I caught some of you kinda like You're not quite snoring, but you want to. You're just one of them. After that, you're still chasing things. You find yourself chasing degrees. You find yourself chasing positions. 
And you just spend your life chasing. But there's a point, and it's different with everyone. There's a point where you stop chasing and you start settling. The problem with that is the day you stop chasing your God-given dreams, the day you stop chasing after the calling of the uncertain is the day you start dying. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 29. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's not like parishes in Louisiana. Parish like dying. People start dying when they're not chasing after where God's wanting them to go. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's an uncertainty about where he's taking you. Well, if let's just be theologically sound. Christ went to the cross. He was buried in a tomb. He was resurrected. And upon his resurrection, he then ascended into heaven. But he made a promise that the Holy Spirit would come. Are you with me this morning? And, and we could all be baptized in the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit, in, in, its, in its beautiful uh, unity with Christ... The Holy Spirit, it's still unpredictable and uncertain too. It leads you places that you have no idea where you're going. It's the Spirit-led life. And all of us, we want to know what's next. We want to have a plan. We want to have an itinerary. We want to know exactly where we're going. We love to get our GPS and say, well, honey, whenever we go up there to see Uncle George, we're going to take 287, and look at there. We're going to exit right there in Bowie, and we're going to hung a left right there in Bowie, and we love to kind of get our map out to see where we're heading. If you're going to be spirit-led, the Holy Spirit leads you places you never knew you would go. The Celtic Christians had a reference for the Holy Spirit. They loved to put imagery in their children, and they literally referenced the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. Now, before you think this is sacrilegious, it really makes a lot of sense. Have you ever had that saying come off your lips about being on a wild goose chase? If you could see a bunch of little farm kids chasing a wild goose, they, they, they're not paying attention to anything else except the wild goose. And the wild goose takes them here, wild goose takes them there. And before you know it, they've crossed the creek bottom, they're up the mountaintop, and they're all the way down, all chasing the wild goose. And, and the early Celtic Christian church really understood this as a really good imagery of being spirit-led. The Holy Spirit is unpredictable. If you follow after the Spirit of God, if the Holy Ghost is in the driver's seat of your life and you're in the back seat, which is proper, the Holy Spirit will take you places you never dreamed of going. It will bring you into relationships you never saw coming. You will experience things that you never in a million years knew you would experience. Jesus said it this way in John chapter number 3. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. As I try to come to a close this morning, I would just say that the greatest moments in our lives are the unscripted moments. The greatest moments are the unplanned moments. The greatest moments are the ones that were not scheduled. They were not predicted. They're unrehearsed. The unrehearsed, unplanned moments become the unforgettable moments. Let me share something kind of funny with you guys as we try to close. While we were at Disneyland, 
Not only did I ride Space Mountain, I had something so crazy happen to me. Some of you have already seen this through social media. I was asked to go get the stroller. So in the, in the rush, in the crowd, I got a little bit turned around from where everybody was. We had a pretty good-sized crew there, and I've got my little four-year-old and little Ciara. She's, she's a cute little uh, friend of ours. She's six, and, and we were loaned a, a, a stroller that, that it was like a Ford Escort. It was huge. And I load these little girls up, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm a big boy, but we're in California, the land of quacks, and I'm at Disneyland, and I don't know where all my crew's at. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of got a little turned around. And I got this little scooter, this little buggy, and I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. They done left me with these two kids. There's only like 57,000 people within arm's reach. Where are they? And you know, I was shocked that my height did not come in handy in that crowd. I just knew that I would be in an advantage seeing where they went. And I got turned around, and I'm like bumping people. I'm hitting people's calves. That little dude had one little tire out there, that little scooter we had, had that one long tire out there. And I'd kind of bump that calf. And they'd turn around like, I'm so sorry. Just a minute. I'm so sorry. And I'd be, I'm sorry. Y'all just need to move. And finally, I did not know all the while that I was kind of going perpendicular into this wall of people that had uh, formed this organized little spot. They were in this perfectly little position. I didn't know that I was going against the grain until I just kind of popped out over the curb. And I was in the middle of the street. And there was another wall of people over there looking at me. And I looked to my right, and there was a, a float <laughs> with like a real good-looking redhead mermaid or something. And I'm like, glory. <laughs> so I kind of paused for a minute, kind of took it in, you know. <laughs> Man, she's singing to me. <laughs> so I looked down the street. And I saw my partner way down there going. And I'm like, singing to me. And he said, no, you got to come down here. You're in the parade. I said, I feel like I'm in the parade. <laughs> so when they kind of got a little closer, I hooked me a limp. I thought, come with me, Ariel. <laughs> I know it's uncertain, but come on. <sighs> and next thing I know, unrehearsed, unplanned, well, shoot, man, I ain't going to tell. Just let's show that real quick. <laughs> Hit that real quick, Micah. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. I went ahead and did a dance for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what you do when you got Ariel winking at you, singing to My God, glory, glory.
man. I'm telling you, some of the most unforgettable moments in your life are unrehearsed. They just happen. Now, see, I could have shut down, you know. I could have clammed up. I could have gotten nervous. But I saw her. (laughs) I'm just messing. Stay with me while we wrap this up. I just need about three minutes, I promise you. You got to stretch yourself and think about this from a spiritual angle. Okay? That was just a funny little thing that happened in my life that was unpredicted, and it's, it's become something fun for us. We've laughed about it. But here's the thing. I, you never know where life's going to take you. And if you put Jesus Christ first in your life, you must embrace the fact that Christ is going to take you into the unknown. But I want to settle something for you. You're going into the unknown with or without him. Whether you want to or not, life is but a vapor. So I would much prefer me going into my uncertainty uncertainty of future with the one that already orders my steps rather than wake up tomorrow with blind faith and just do my best. Life will always be uncertain. But if you've got him in the driver's seat, you can rush, run, thrive in the very scariest of days. I want to close with a few pictures. These pictures are going to help you understand what I'm trying to say. And if our musicians can come and help me close. Whenever you talk about groups, groups of creatures, uh, some are are kind of neat to study. Let's start with a group of fish. A group of fish, when you have more than one, two, or three, you have a group of fish, what you have is a school, a school of fish. But what if it's ants? What if you got an ant, a group of ants? It's colonies. What about bees? Bees are a whole different term. You've got a swarm of bees, right? What about cattle? Cattle would be considered a herd. It's a herd of cattle. What about birds? Birds are in a group setting or known as a a flock of birds. And then something beautiful, lions. Lions actually have a very unique term for their groupings. It's a pride. A group of lion is a pride of lion. But then there's one that just takes the cake. And I want you to know about it. It's a group of rhinoceroses. A group of rhinos. It's not a school or a herd or a flock. It's not a swarm. It's not a colony. A group of rhinos are called a crash. It's true. A crash. Sounds fitting, doesn't it? A crash. You get a hold of a group of rhinos. It's a crash. Let me tell you something about a rhinoceros that you may not know. Some of you probably are, uh, you, you may not know all this stuff. I didn't know about it. A rhino, that big, gigantic beast, it can run 30 miles per hour. Man, that's getting it. To kind of help you understand that in perspective, 
a little squirrel that you see in the middle of the street that's got moves like jagged, they can just like dodge you. A squirrel can only move 26 miles per hour. I said it. A squirrel dodges your hide at 26 miles per hour. But a rhino can move 30 miles per hour. Don't mess with him. Here's what you don't know, though, that makes that even cooler. A rhino can only see up to 30 feet. I don't think you caught that. This big, bad beast can run 30 miles per hour, but is as blind as a bat. He cannot see at 30 miles per hour what's 31 feet away. Can you call him a crash? You would think that he would be hesitant, timid. You would think that he would not just slam in fifth gear and go full steam ahead. But God, in his infinite wisdom of creation, he created this big, nasty-looking, bad-of-the-bone, gigantic beast that can haul 30 miles per hour. He created him, though, with this big, gigantic horn on the front of his head. You know why? Because he can run as fast as he wants in whatever direction he wants, not even knowing what's 31 feet away. He knows everything's going to be all right. Why are we so worried about what tomorrow holds? God's created us ready for the uncertain, ready for the unpredictable. If God's ordering your steps, if God is in control of your life, you don't have to fear what you cannot see. You don't have to fear where you're, where you're going, even though you have no idea. If you're in the back seat and Jesus Christ is in control, just rest knowing it's going to be all right. I want you to stand and I want to close with reading one last quote and I'll close with this today. Erwin McManus is on record with this final saying of our time together this morning. And I hope this just gets a hold of you in the way it got a hold of me. He said, the future is uncertain, but we need to move toward it with confidence. There's a future to be created. There's a humanity to be liberated. We need to stop wasting our time and stop being afraid of what we cannot see and what we do not know. We need to move forward full of force because of what we do know. And what we do know is God is in control. So what do you need to sacrifice? What familiar part of your life is so familiar that it's holding you back from something great? What are you willing to let go of to embrace something new and fresh? I want to pray over you this morning in closing. Father, right now, on this first Sunday of December, 
as we race the closing of a year, we just start this final month. I know the future's uncertain. I know tomorrow is, it's kind of foggy, it's blurry. We're not sure. Maybe, maybe there's some folks that's coming to the end of the year, Lord, and at the end of the year, people make changes in their life. At the end of the year, people take chances in new endeavors. But Lord, all of this together really comes back to it's uncertain. Lord God, there are families in this room that they've been serving you for a while now, but they've not been fully on board when it comes to worship and haven't been fully on board when it comes to giving. Haven't been fully on board when it comes to serving. They've just kind of they just kind of dip their toes in the water, so to speak, of their faith, but they've yet to dive in. I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, to do what I can't do. Take this little simple sermon and take it, Lord, and let it do something majestic in someone's heart. Let someone, Lord, do more in the next few days than they've done all year long. Let them embrace the uncertainties of their life by putting you first in their heart. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to give someone an opportunity to declare the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. On this Sunday morning, if you would like to turn your life from a life of sin and give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and Lordship, I'm just going to simply ask you this one question. I want you to respond by just lifting up your hand. That's all you have to do. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're away from your creator God and that you need him in his fullness to come into your life and rescue you and change your life, I want you to just raise your hand quickly today. I want to pray over you personally. Thank you, sir, for that. Keep your hands up if you don't mind. Right there. Thank you right there in the back. God bless you. Thank you here in the center. Is there anyone else before we pray? God bless these. That's beautiful. Thank you for your honesty and your open, vulnerable spirit. You can put your hands down. Father, right now I pray for these that lifted up their hand. They have admitted before you today, God. And they've just allowed me to play a small role in this. They've admitted today, God, that they need you in their heart as a savior. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would just simply turn their hearts over to you. Let them open up their mind and their heart and welcome you in, in your fullness. I pray, Father, that you would whisper to them that all is well, that all is well. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that they would embrace their future. Because Lord, no matter what, if you give us the grace to wake up tomorrow, we don't really have control like we think we do. So Lord, why do we want to Fake it. Let us give it over to you. And let us allow you to order our steps tomorrow. I pray a blessing upon these. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Amen. Chuck and Renita. And James and Susan. You've come through a week of uncertainty with losses in your family. I want you to know, it means the world to me that you're back in the house of the Lord today.
it's proof that even while life is unplanned and uncertain, you can put your faith in that which holds tomorrow. I honor you guys today. God be with you and God bless you. We will see you.